So maybe, maybe we could just do something here for just a moment. Um, we're past COVID, right? <laughs> um, I don't care if we were still in COVID, but maybe just, here's what I'm saying. There's nothing more powerful. Psychologists will tell you nothing more powerful than the human touch. You may know the person by you, you may not, but, and if you don't want to do this, that's fine. But would you just put your hand on maybe the shoulder or the elbow or take the hand of the person next to you if that's more comfortable, whatever, just as a, just as a, sign of unity touch one another just kind of put your hand on their shoulder maybe somebody in front of you behind you something and let's just pray this together I want you to say it in your own words but I just pray Jesus touch the friend that I'm touching right now you know what they're facing you know what's heavy on their heart I may not know what they're feeling today but Lord we just cast our cares on you and I pray for healing I pray for miracles. I pray for hope. I pray for restoration. I pray for brokenness and pain to stop in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you we can trust you. Guide my steps. Give us wisdom, every one of us. Those watching online right now, Father, give us wisdom. In the path that we take, we may not know where you are, but you know right where we're at. And so we look to you and we depend on you and we trust you in the lovely name of Jesus. Say it with me. Say Jesus. Say it again. Say Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Can you give somebody a high five before you're seated? Love on somebody. Welcome them to church today. our young people as they go to their class. You may be seated. I want to welcome all of you to Skybreak today. I'm driving to church and the National Weather Service says golf ball size hail in College Station. 60 mile an hour winds. Take cover. Don't drive if you don't have to. And I'm like, I'm going to church. <laughs> and it is amazing that in the eastern skies, like a blue sky was there, just kind of parted and there was no hail. I didn't have to go through hail to get here. <laughs> if you're new to church, we're glad to have you today. Are you ready to receive this morning? How do I raise godly kids in a messed up, ungodly world? The answer is this. The primary influence to raising godly kids is your home. Home is a essential it is a family essential 
Janet and I have had two experiments in this parenting challenge. Our firstborn was Jared and our second was Nathan. Janet says if Nathan had been born first, there would never be a Jared. True statement. Some years have passed now and one of our parenting experiments is our lead pastor, he and his wife, Nathan and Kendall. You can give them a hand. And the other parenting experiment is Jared. Jared's married to Kendra and Jared leads our worship. And I attribute the outcome to the home life that Janet and I created. By the help of God, of course, but God works through people. And now today we have eight more grandparenting experiments to help with. The Bible says that children are a heritage of the Lord and his reward. Children are our inheritance from God and his gift. Now I want you to remember that the next time one of them uses a permanent marker and scribbles on the wall or flushes a tennis ball down the toilet or takes a car without asking permission. <laughs> they are your inheritance and a gift from God. At Skybreak Church, our children are a treasure. We believe it's our responsibility to partner with your family in the spiritual development of our children. So every weekend at Skybreak Kids, the, the atmosphere we create and the way we present the message of Jesus are mission critical to attracting our kids to fall in love with Jesus and to come to know him personally while they are yet young. Why? Because it's a fact that more young people accept Jesus as Savior before the age of 20 than any other time in their life. Our greatest hope is to introduce our children to Jesus while they're still young. And that's why I'm so thankful for those who serve in our Skybreak Kids. Can we give all of our volunteers that serve in children's ministry? Come on, you ought to give them a big hand here today. I'm thankful. Some are in this room and many of them are serving right now. Your kids, my kids, your grandchildren and mine. You say, well, I don't have any kids. Well, you might. And if we have a future as a church, our kids, yours and mine, are next door. And so I salute all of you who serve. And I'm also very thankful for those who honor God every week and every month by bringing and giving the tithe and the offering which are so necessary to continue to fulfill this mission. The church does not operate on God blesses and prayer only. It, it is because people faithfully return to God the tithe and bring the offering, and it allows the church to move forward and to plant seeds of faith in our next generation. Can we thank all the people who support financially? Can you give them a hand right now? Thank you. Come on, that, that's just as important. Now that being said, a Christ-centered home 
is crucial to the spiritual and healthy development of our children. Parenting is no joke. And your home is definitely a family essential. So what's my role as a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle? What's my role, though, at home? What, what is a home meant to be? I hope you're taking notes. Write this down. I want to leave a few thoughts with you that I've learned. Number one, home is meant to be a place of hope. Everyone say hope. Please know that children experience anxiety, fear, and insecurity as adults do. They experience negativity every single day that can drain them of the positive power of hope. So home is meant to be a place to plan positive things to look forward to. Home is meant to be a place to say encouraging words about the future. Home is meant to be a place where we can dream without any reservations or fear of ridicule. Home is meant to be a place to emphasize strength and potential. Talk about the good in your kids. Too often we see the bad. And I get it that it's our job to correct them, but can you see the good? Can you look for the good? Can you pull the good? Make your home a place to keep hope alive. And oftentimes it's the only place your children have that bring hope into their lives. Secondly, here's what Janet and I have learned. Home is meant to be a place of unconditional acceptance. Unconditional. However, we often only communicate conditional acceptance. If the GPA is high enough, you qualify for the student council. If your athletic ability is great enough, you qualify for the scholarship. Or if you're attractive enough, other people are going to really like you. It's this if, 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 if. And these ongoing conditions of acceptance have a way of draining anyone, especially children and young people. Home needs to be a place where unconditional... Can we fix this mic? Is there something going on here? All right. That better? That going to be better right there? Y'all good? Y'all don't like to hear me spitting and sputtering, do you? It's kind of like an old car running down the road. Backfiring and sputtering. Are we good? Okay. I hadn't used it in a few months. It, it, it thought it was retired. I'm just refired. Okay, here we go. Home needs to be a place where unconditional acceptance is in full supply. Now remember this, acceptance is not the same as approval. Okay, I get that. You can disapprove of a child's behavior and still provide acceptance for them. Your children need to be able to differentiate the difference between your approval and your acceptance. In other words, I will always love you I may not always like what you do. So what does acceptance look like? Well, let me give you a few tips. Never, ever withdraw or resist speaking to your son or daughter. Well, I'm just not talking to you. Well, you're wrong, parent. Do 
not ever withhold gestures of love even when you're disappointed with your child. And particularly when correcting an unacceptable action or attitude that they have committed. They need to know and have the reassurance that I'm unconditionally accepted and loved even though I can be disapproved of and I can be disciplined and the correction of my wrong needs to be addressed but it will never come from the, from the position that well I just won't love you if you don't. you're not my child if you did that. Home is a place we must Assure them they are unconditionally loved and accepted and a vital part of the family no matter what they may be involved in. I have seen parents that put a wall up or decided to, to withhold their affection. You say, well, that teaches them that they need to do better. No, it teaches them that they're not unconditionally loved. And that's not the kind of heavenly father that we have. He will correct you and he doesn't want you to stay the same. But he loves you no matter what you have done. Because every one of us need acceptance 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because if we don't feel unconditionally accepted, we do not have any place to go. Thirdly, I've learned that our home is meant to be a place of team spirit. Team spirit. Your family is the most important team in the world. You know, sometimes these people have these homecomings or these reunions, and, and there's 96 people that have a T-shirt that all say the same thing. I love that. I love that. When our family gets together, there's 19 grandkids in my immediate family. My, my parents, my dad had five siblings, and so on his side, there's 19 grandkids. My mother has seven siblings. On her side of the family, we just stopped counting. Because when we get together with our kids and, you know, our grandkids and then the great-grandkids, it's 300 people. And, and, and so selling T-shirts is a profitable thing. <laughs> Tried to get in on that, but hadn't been able to invest in it so far. But your children need to know that you are for them and want to help them win. It's a team. Outside your home, the, your kids are competing with their peers they're competing for a voice. They're competing to be seen. They're competing to know that they matter. And when they come home, there should be no question that my family loves me no matter what. Whether I am athletic or whether I'm academic or both. I hate those kind of people. <laughs> or people that have great talent and can sing. At least they should be ugly. But no, some of them had great talent in singing, and then they look like, you know, beautiful. And I'm like, it's not fair. <laughs> but our family should be a place of support where I know there's a team here. I'm not in this by myself. And if I win, I'm going to win on my own efforts, but also the efforts of my support system. Because I've got a mom and a dad and siblings that are encouraging me. And if I'm the only child, oh, well. No, I'm just kidding. But if you're the only child, you've got to have a support system with your, with your parents. And there's hopefully family, or like we like to say here at Skybreak, our family of choice. We have brothers and sisters 
They're sitting all around us right now. We're a team, so everything's gonna be okay. That's one of the reasons I don't like golf. <laughs> Number one, I'm a baseball player, so you can't swing a golf club like a baseball bat. Tried it, doesn't work. Now I'll hit a golf ball with a baseball bat. I can put it way down there. But the problem with golf is you can't fall back on anybody, it's all on you. And by about the sixth hole, I'm done. <laughs> Number four. Home is meant to be a place of vitality and life. <laughs> Parents, listen to me. You need to come out of your shell around your kids. What do you mean by that? Man, there was times, our sons will tell you, my grandkids will tell you, man, I'll hug on their mama. Not my grandkids' mama, but my son's mama. <laughs> I hug on my daughter-in-law's, but that's different. But hug on them, kiss them, laugh, have some fun, break the mold. You know, we'd never have a food fight at my house, probably not. I'd probably be very anxious for it to happen. But when it's going, you know, sometimes you just got to like, you know, it just happens and throw it right back at them. You mean you're endorsing a food fight at home? Try it, see what happens. Don't get mad. They break a lamp. Don't get mad. But you need to laugh and have a good time. Be a person that's fun to be with. Generate some life and vitality and energy, and your kids won't feel like your home is a morgue. Kids hang out down the street or at a friend's house as long as they can before coming home. Why? Because there's such heaviness in the atmosphere of your home. It's sad. It's dead. It's lonely. And honestly, it's probably boring because probably you're boring. Can I get a couple of yes? yes. And listen, it's going to cost something. It's going to cost you some money for the kids to hang out because kids have, a, have an IV to the refrigerator. They're hooked up line and sink. So, I mean, it's, there's nothing in the fridge when they all leave. The lunch meat's gone. The cheese is gone. The milk is gone. Ice is gone. Like, well, I may have to go to the store. Well, going to the store is a whole lot better than having to go to the jail. It's probably a lot cheaper to buy a bill of groceries than to pay a, pay a bail bondsman or a car wreck. Y'all all right with this? Home is a family essential. And you need to make your house the place to be. My dad tells the story when he was alive. Dad passed a year and a half ago. My dad was a pastor many years. And he always told the story that out in the backyard, there was a basketball pole and a basketball goal there and my granddad used to kind of get upset because all the grass around the basketball goal was worn out and my grandmother would correct my grandfather and I, I, I could see it to this day hear her voice I can hear him and say it's okay the grass will grow back the grass will grow back why at least I know they're here when they're out there bouncing that ball in my backyard at least I know where they're at Number five, home is meant to be a place 
of comfort and peace. Some of our homes are simply too tense and too hostile. Family members consistently raise their voices in disagreement, creating strife and tension and fear and anxiety. Sadly, the home, which should be the shelter from the storm, often becomes the center of the storm. Let me say it this way. If you grew up in a home where everyone yelled and argued constantly, you may have accepted this as normal. But it's not normal. It doesn't have to be that way. You say, you mean you tell me that you and Janet never raised your voice at each other? No, I didn't say that. She did throw a a boot at me one time. (laughs) I dodged. Like y'all have never done anything. <laughs> but, so I get, there's disagreements, but it doesn't have to become so disagreeable that the house is torn up and everybody goes to bed nervous and the kids are hiding in the corner and they're afraid of their parents and they don't know what's going on. The good news about all of this is if that's the home you grew up in, you could start a new legacy today. It doesn't have to be that way. I mean, the truth is kids hear about their friends' parents getting a divorce at school, on the playground, somewhere. Consequently, when their parents get in a heated discussion, they become fearful and distressed, like, well, what's going to happen to my, my future? I remember Pastor Nate one time in elementary school coming home, and I could see something. We just, he was different. Something, he wasn't right. Something was wrong. I don't mean he wasn't right, but I mean he was just, <laughs> something was bothering him. And his mother finally asked, honey, what's going on? And he said that a, a friend of his at school had been told that, her, that friend's parents were getting a divorce and he just wanted to make sure we were never gonna do that. So kids do feel the anxiety and the fear and the stress. You think working at the dealership makes you feel that way or down at the plant or in the insurance business or at the hospital or whatever you do uh, as a job or own that company, you think that's stressful? It probably is, but don't, exempt the fact that children feel the same anxieties that you feel. So make your home a shelter of refuge from all the pressures life can bring. Number six, home is meant to be the place to mentor your children. Mentor. Mentoring is when you go beyond telling your children what to do and you take the time to explain and show them why and how. I remember seriously my dad when I was a boy, we owned rental property growing up, always been in the real estate business of some form and dad bought his first house. In fact, my brothers now still own that house and we've had it about 60 years. Long time, that's 65 years we've owned that house. My dad taught me how to tear the roof off, put new decking, put new felt paper and shingles and don't hit my finger with the hammer when I'm putting the nails down. We didn't use air guns back then. Couldn't afford them. Wasn't very popular. He's taught me how to replace a a water heater, how to tear up the floor in the bathroom, pull all the stuff out. He he taught me how to climb under a, (laughs) crawl under a house. There's about this much room. I was about that big back then. Crawl under a house with a jack, jack it up and level it. I've done it all. I've been been there. He taught, he just didn't, you say, well, he's just working you. He was teaching me, he was showing me and, and it's still an investment today and we still earn the profit off of it today. He mentored me. 
He didn't just mentor me there. He told me how to manage money. Taught me to save money. He you, you can't just say the things or expect it. You've got to show them. A mentor is a wise and loyal advisor, a teacher, a coach. Pastor Nathan read the verse last weekend, Deuteronomy 11, verse 19. Teach the principles of God to your children. Don't just teach them how to paint a house or wash a car or vacuum the floor. Don't just teach them how to do that. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to turn to God. Teach them how to have thoughts about good things. Teach them how to know the Bible is the answer. And somewhere in there, you'll find the hope that you're looking for. You've got to teach them. Teach them to go to church every weekend. Teach them to have some faithfulness in their life, some, some constants in their life. Teach them to have some things they can. Listen, we have a world that is turned away from a lot of those values and traditions. And maybe some things need to be reevaluated. But i got to tell you, your walk with God will always need to be in your life. And your time with God will always need to be in your life and the preaching of the word of God will always need to be heard by you because it's the preaching of the word of God that saves your soul, your mind. Teach the principles of God to your children. Talk about them when you sit down, when you walk, when you go to sleep. Kids learn in bits and pieces, not marathon sessions. <laughs> you think you're going to give them a lecture, it ain't going to happen. Don't lecture to them, teach them. You can lecture for about three minutes, and they've teed you out. So teach them when they're at home. Teach them when they're driving. We were on a little trip last month, and uh, Chandler and I were talking about something, and it ended up in a conversation about longitude. Oh, he asked me how high we were. What was our elevation? And I said, well, I got to... I got an app and I pulled it out and the app showed that we were at 7,500 feet above sea level. And then I realized on there it had degrees. It had longitude and latitude degrees there. And I said, Chandler, you know what that is? I let him read it. He goes, no. I said, you know what longitude and latitude is? He said, no, we hadn't studied that yet. We had a little globe. He went and found it. A little later, he brought it back to me. He knew what the equator was. What's the tropic of cancer? What's the trop? My point is... We're, we're on a little family vacation, but he asks a question, and it leads to a teachable moment. Whether you're teaching them about character or you're teaching them knowledge, mentor your children. If you're leaving the public school system to teach your children, you're in trouble. They're teaching them stuff, all right. It's probably not the things you think they're teaching them might need to check it out. You might need to know the books they're reading. Let's talk about that a little bit. You might need to find out where that teacher went to school and what their objective is. If you don't know their teachers, be a good idea to go meet them and get to know them a little bit. Ask them what they believe about certain things. You might be shocked because that's infiltrating your children and you won't even know it. They'll be indoctrinated and they'll come home and in 10 years from now, they'll be a different person than the outcome God intended because they've been indoctrinated by people you didn't check up on. That's better teaching than your amen in right there. That's why the Bible says, train up a child on the way he should go. When they're old, they'll not de depart from it. I love our teachers. We got great teachers that attend our church and 
school administrators, and I'm grateful for you. In fact, we need more of you. We need you in the system. We need you combating all the junk that's going on out there. Can we give a big thank you to all our teachers? Pray for them. Pray for them. Bless you. I know our teachers sometimes, godly teachers, they feel like their hands are tied. I'm here to tell you, these days, you might as well just go ahead and do what you're going to do, and we'll back you and we'll support you. Talk to them. You don't, you don't have to say you're praying over a student, you still pray for them. You don't have to tell them the Bible says you, you can still quote the, the wisdom of the Word of God. It's still the same. Get sneaky if you have to. Harmless as doves. But you can still pray over them. Hey, do you know God said that there's an, there's an enemy trying to steal from you? But God, but, <laughs> but you can have a life that's better than that. Life to the full. And I want to help you find it. Train up a child. Train up a child. Explain it. Talk it. Show it. Learn it. And by all means, live it. Let's end with this. A couple thoughts. Write this down. See every child as a gift. God doesn't give us kids we can't develop. I know they're challenging. I know some of our parenting skills, maybe we didn't have a good example. We're trying to figure it out. That's why small groups are important. That's why there are those that can help us and the scripture can help us. I'm doing it today. Teach the child. Teach them the values that matter. Realize they're a gift that God gave you. One verse says, children are like arrows in your quiver and wherever you point them, that's where they're gonna go. If you'll point them in the right direction and, and keep them going that way while they're in your care, God will get them to the finish line. Secondly, teach them the things of God. Don't rely on video games and Netflix and television to raise your children. You need to parent them. Parent them. A lot of fun on the front end when you're creating children, not so much when you're raising children. Am I right? The third thing I've learned is correct your children. Oh gosh, correct them. Not in anger. Don't wait till you're angry to correct them. Keep your tone. But always correct and discipline your children when they're wrong. Kids need to know the consequences of wrong behavior early. If you don't correct them now, they're going to end up in the backseat of a cop car or worse, doing something that they will never recover from because they didn't know how to control or discipline. When I was a kid, <laughs> I got more spankings than I could tell you about. Honest to God. So you say, well, I don't want to spank my kids. I, I, there's a new philosophy out there. All I got to tell you is we didn't, know, we didn't know some of the things we think we're so smart to know today. And maybe some of us need to unlearn some stuff and go back to old school. But my... <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but get over it. Oh, that's another issue with today. Too often we get offended because the coffee's too hot. I'm like, Jesus, have mercy. Toughen up a little bit. Got so many wimps around here. People need to be backbone and have some grit. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, we bunch of pansies. Got everything is so powerful. It's like, man, life is rough. Get a helmet. 
if... <laughs> Not in my notes, here's a thought. I was, I learned and we practiced this and our sons will tell you. We didn't spank them. We, we didn't spank them. Uh, how can I say this best? We spanked them long enough till they got past being angry because they were getting a spanking. If they were angry and mad because we were spanking them, we just kept on disciplining until they got repentive. Because it's been proven if, if you don't break the, the will, you don't want to break the spirit, but you've got to break that will. And if you don't break it, somebody else will. The correctional facility will. Somebody, somebody on the street will punch their lights out and they're going to wake up with a broken face. Somebody, it, it will come. You've got to get that will that God gave us. That's why Jesus said, not my will, but your be done. Hey, that was the thing that had to be broken most. Let, let, me, let me describe it this way. Janet and I sometime back saw a movie and it was a mother talking in this one scene. The mother's talking to her 14-year-old daughter who had found herself in a hospital following a car crash. The kids in the car had been drinking and the the 14-year-old girl's friend who was driving was killed in the crash and she's been unconscious. She's waking up and this mother's standing over her weeping and talking, tears flowing and telling her what has happened, telling the 14-year-old daughter what has happened because of her decisions and her choices. And while being examined for injuries, the 14-year-old girl was found to be pregnant. And the mother in tears is leaning over that daughter, talking lovingly. This daughter is crying. And the mom says, I wanted to protect you. You didn't like the rules and the boundaries and you thought they were confining you. But in fact, they were protecting you. But here's the part that was so moving. She said, but now I can't protect you from some of those things because you can't go back. And you'll have to grow up way sooner than you would have otherwise. The realities of life are on your shoulders now. I tried to protect you from that. And those boundaries you're putting on your kids, say, well, I want them to figure it out on their own. That's just stupid. You're, you're relinquishing your job as a parent. Be the parent. leave you with this. That's the third thing. The fourth thing is reward character more than talent. Do you hear me? Reward character more than talent. Reward them for doing right. Talent's wonderful, but character trumps talent every time. Every time. It won't matter how good they are at doing something if they're not a good person. And it's your job to help make them a good person. Number five teach them how to work 
work, work, work. Teach them how to work. I don't think that song's talking about that. I, I don't know what the song's talking about, but I'm sure it's not talking about that. <laughs> that if it had been Johnny Cashing in the song, it might have been work. But I don't even know who sang it, but it's probably not work, work, work. I don't listen to those songs, but I, that just sticks out in your head because if you pass it on the channel, it's like, work, 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 and he's like, work. All I translated into is the life I grew up in. I work, work, work my whole dang life. Still work, working. Teach them how to work. Why? We live in an entitlement world. People expect things to be handed to us. Back to my point a while ago. Just a bunch of weak need, pansy, lazy. Come on, get up, go to work. Well, I, oh, hey, no, I don't, hold on, listen to me. Well, it's my birthday. I want, I want the day off. I said, birthday? Day off? Without pay, maybe. Be lucky if you have a job when you come back. Who cares it's your birthday? <laughs> That's crazy. Say, life owes me. No, it doesn't. Let people, let your kids learn to earn things they want. Let me give an example. Kudos to this one example. Well, I'm glad Chandler's not in here. I'm picking on him today. This will be kind of picking on him. But Chandler recently shot a BB gun and blew out a window in a person's car. And he had some money from his birthday he'd been saving and he had to spend all of it. I don't remember the full amount. 300 and what? $300. He's 10 years old. $300 and his parents said, you shout it out, you gotta fix it. And took his $300 and paid for it. He said, what? Oh, no, hold on, hold on. You said, well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's good for you but you're not teaching them the consequences of their behavior. He won't pick up a BB gun and shoot in a car anymore, I guarantee you. You wanna grow great kids? It starts at home. Home is a family essential. Don't point it off to somebody else or something else. You've got a job to do. We're here to help you. It's a great job. God gave you that responsibility. Adam and Eve were the first family and they kind of jacked things up. So don't feel bad if things are off kilter. You can raise two children in the same environment and get two different outcomes. I get all of that. And there's a whole message that I teach on hurting parents and, and there, Noah had issues and Adam and Eve had issues and, 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 and all through the Bible, parents had issues with children that didn't follow. But it's still your job to parent. It's still your job to create the home and give them the best opportunity. Here's my final thought and then I'll be done. Don't underestimate, sorry, don't undermine the authorities that your children need to be under. Sometimes you say, well, nobody should tell you. Like for example, when I was in school, I'm trying to put this in the best light. Didn't prepare a story for this, but examples are good. If I got in trouble at school, which I did often, it wasn't malicious. I wasn't burning the school down or selling drugs, but just mischief stuff. Just, but stuff that needed to be corrected. And so they'd send me to the principal's office. And in those days, the principals had a right to whip your tail. And I got plenty of them. 
My last paddling, I was a sophomore in high school. That paddle was that long and this wide and the handle was carved out where he held it with two hands. And the principal was a friend of mine. He liked me and I liked him. But I did something, but he called me to the office the next morning after something I did. I didn't tear up anything. I just left campus because I didn't like the teacher. I said, I ain't going to that guy's class today. I'm sick of it. I'm gonna go eat lunch. And I got in my truck and drove off. And then I come driving back on. People say, we all sneak back in. I'm like, I ain't sneaking. Just go back and park in my spot. And, and he was standing there waiting on me when I parked. He said, where you been? I said, well, I didn't want to go to so-and-so's class. And here's why. And, and a buddy went with me. He's a little bit old scrawny guy. He went with me. That was Mike Solt. And we went and Mike and I came back and Mike scared out of his mind. He said, okay, well, y'all get on back to class. But next morning, I said, hey, Danny Green to the office. Danny Green to the office. I'm like, yeah, here he comes. <laughs> he lined me up. Two hands. And he just didn't swing this way. He swung this way. He said, bend over to, stretch that out. Bend over to, boy. That mm, one paddle, one pop, whoo, lit me up. I, <laughs> I thanked him. Thank you. And I left the class. And, and then Mike's sitting out there. He's, he's got called the office too, and he's about that big around, you know. And, I, and I'm like, he's, he's shaking. You know, I'm like, it'll be all right. You'll feel better in a week. <laughs> no. but, but here's the point. When I was young, they'd they call home. Here's the way it was in my house. Talking about undermining authority. If I got a paddling or needed to get a paddling at school, which I don't know why they took that away. Stupid people. I know there's rules and reasons, but sorry, it's dumb. I got a paddling at school and they call home and say he got corrected. I knew when I get home, there's a second one coming. Oh, not today. Oh, you paddle my child, I'll come up there and paddle you. And the parents are like, and the kids just go off scot-free. And, no, and you undermine the authorities in their life. I understand that there's bad authority because there's bad people. But I also understand that if there's no authority, there's no life. There's no future. There's no country. There's no church. There's no nothing. There's no family. You undermine authority and you have nothing. The buck has got to stop with somebody. And maybe if you don't like the, the school board, you ought to put new people in at the school board. You can vote on them. We need authority. If you don't have it, y'all not amen this very much. If you don't have any authority, I'm, I'm glad there's a speed limit on that street out there. It's a set authority. Now, sometimes I don't abide by it. <laughs> but it's to our disadvantage to do that. Now, if an ambulance is taking me to the hospital and it's going down that street because I'm having a heart attack, forget the speed limit. Get me to the hospital. But if I'm driving in traffic, I'm glad there's a light down here when 40 cars are showing up at the same intersection. I'm glad somebody has some authority to tell you when to stop and when to go. Are you listening to me? And this is the problem with some people when it comes to God. They, they, they won't listen to God. God is the ultimate authority. So don't undermine the authorities you're putting your children under or they'll grow up not knowing what authority is and they won't listen to anybody. All right. Amen. A family essential is the hope. All right, let's do this. If you're a...
if you're a parent with kids 10 and under, would you stand? 10 and under. Wow. Got your work cut out for you. You cook dinner and they won't even eat it. And it's, isn't it dumb? It's just the way it is these days. I, and I, I, I know, I, well, I got grandkids, I get it. I'm like, I'll make something and they'll just walk right back. No, I'm not hungry. And they're lying through their teeth. They're starving, but they ain't, keep standing. They ain't eating that. It's crazy, isn't it? You got your work cut out for you. More than that is just training those kids. I saw you took your daughter to the first daughter dance recently. Is that right? I love that. She's your only daughter, right? You have two boys and then the daughter. I love that. She's what, like five? Her and Fallon are like the same age, right? Isn't it cool? Others of you have done things like that. Some of you have one child. Some of you have more. Okay, this is the people that have 10 and under. How many of you are raising teenagers today? Would you stand? It's like 11 to, because 11 year olds think they're teenagers. <laughs> 11 to 20. Come on, stand up. 11 to 20. Okay, stay standing with the other people. Keep standing. Raising these kids, these teenagers. God bless you. By the time they're, the reason I divided it there and not at 13 is because by the time they're 11, they've already, their brain has already formed many of the paths of how they process. By the time they're 11, they've already channeled how they're going to evaluate things. It's already happened. Matter of fact, I'll tell you about seven or eight. If you don't have it channeled by then, your brain is amazing. You've seen a cow where cows walk across the pasture. If you're not a rancher, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you see a pasture and there's this trail, it's about that wide and there's no grass in it and it just will, it'll meander through the path. It's where the cows all go to and walk. They create a path. It's a little rut. That's what happens in your brain when certain ways of thinking, certain patterns of process are routine. It creates little paths in your brain. That's called habits. And that's why they say you can break a habit and reteach and get new habits, but you gotta, you got to do it long enough to, to fill in the rut and create a new one. But true. If you'd study psychology, I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not a psychologist. But you can read that. Google it. We want to make sure those ruts are in the right place. You following me? That they're patterns of thought. And if, you're not, if you don't have that by the time they're eight or nine years old, that you're going to have to create some new habits. But I want to pray for you today because the home is a family essential. If you're a grandparent here today, stand up. If you're a grandparent, stand up. I want to validate your grandparents here today. We have a fantastic family coming, a pastor coming to be with us next week. Jonathan Brozozog and his wife, they have eight children. He's written a book about parenting, how to raise parents, raising parents. And I had a conversation with him some time ago, and I talked to him about the role of parent, of grandparents. Grandparents, there's, there's, here's what he said, and here's what's been proven. There's no place like a grandparent's home or being in, in relationship with their grandkids where that grandchild feels more unconditional love than from a grandparent. 
do, do not exempt your influence and your importance in the life of your grandchildren. I'm glad I get to be involved in my grandchildren's life and I've asked permission. I won't discipline, it happened recently. I won't discipline, they're the parents, it's their job. I, I don't, it's not my job to interfere, but it is my job to reinforce. And recently I did that with one of our grandkids. I said, no, your mama's not going to do that. I've been here to talk to you and I have to be standing in the room. I said, no, she's not going to do that for you. I agree with her and you're wrong. And I, now I'm mad and I, I'm upset. I ain't going to let her do it for you. That's exactly what I told her. Am I right? I told, I told her that. I said, no, you're, she, I'm not going to let her do that. And she laughed with me and she agreed because she knew where we were. Why? We're just trying to reinforce. But yet that same grandchild, boy, I've, my grandkids, I'm just so grateful. They, they call all. Maverick is 20 months old. He said, Papa, Papa, FaceTime. Papa, Papa, look at me. And he just grins. Papa. Yeah, love you too. We need each other. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray blessing and favor over these men and women standing here right now and those listening to the sound of my voice. I declare the Holy Spirit anointing them, guiding them, giving us wisdom and direction. I pray for our children to be guided to go the right way, and we're going to have to help them. We are, we are the bow. They are the arrows. We are here to train them. You taught us that. It's a command and a promise. Train, train them up in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. I declare it over every household, every family, every parent, every grandparent. Lord, I pray for aunts and uncles. They are so critical in this role. Family members that are close. God, we need it. It takes a village. It takes a church. It takes a family. It takes people surrounding us. It takes the right support system. And Father, those who do not have those elements in place as a church, we become that family. We want to fill those gaps. It's a family of choice. We can be there, brothers, sisters, big brothers, big sisters, spiritual aunts and uncles, spiritual fathers and mothers in the name of Jesus. Devil, take your hands off our kids in the name of Jesus. They are protected by the blood of Jesus. They are protected by the blood of Jesus. They are protected by the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross and Satan, you have no right. Protect their mind, protect their bodies, protect their spirits in the name of Jesus. Father, give us wisdom to discern when to speak up, when to address, when to correct, when to discipline, when to change. Lord, I thank you. Make our homes a place where our children become all they're meant to be. I declare it over these men and women right now in the name of Jesus. And forgive us for our mistakes. Everybody said amen. amen. And let me say this one thing. Listen, just a thought. If you've done something made a decision, did, created an action, you responded, and at the end of it, you're like, I didn't do that right as a parent. You know what I've done before? I have went back and said, you know what, son? I need you to forgive me. There's one right here, too. I need you to forgive me. I didn't do that right. I messed up. Please forgive me. Best thing you can do. Let them know you're human, but your intentions are right, and we'll do it right next time. Do you receive the word? Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I want to do something before you leave. Can we thank Pastor Danny for a phenomenal word today?
so something that y'all wouldn't know, and I wanted us to do something special today, was actually Kendall's idea. And many of you don't know, but this past Tuesday, my mom's been in CCU for this entire week until yesterday. Um, she's in the hospital right now, and she's fighting an infection and just a lot of challenge with her, our journey and her health. It's amazing for me as a father, my father, but our founding pastor to stand on this stage today and pour out during a time of stress, a time of weight, when we don't know what next looks like right now, just to be completely vulnerable. We don't, we don't know. We don't know what the, we, we, we didn't get a great report. Um, he didn't know I was going to do any of this today, but he poured out. I want us to pray over him and Pastor Janet and pour into him. Can we, can we stand and do that today? I know many of you have challenges you're facing. This just so happens to be ours. But if you want a, a sign of strength, you want a model of strength, there he is. And I want us to pray that, that God will refill him with strength and wisdom and peace. And then pray for Pastor Janet that God would fill her with peace. And a whole lot of other things, but strength and peace in her body. So let's just stretch our hands and let's pray over Pastor Danny today. Father. I thank you for Pastor Danny. I thank you for Dad. And I thank you for Mom. And God, we just lift them up to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we know that you are the ultimate physician. You are the great healer. Your name is above every name. And so, Lord, we declare over them peace and strength. We declare over them wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you would refill every ounce of energy that's been poured out today. And every ounce of energy of prayer. I pray, Lord, where there seems to be doubt, Lord, you would build in trust and strength. I pray, Lord, where there seems to be anxiety, Lord, that you would fill it with your peace. I pray where there seems to be a loss of direction and maybe even a loss of hope at times, Lord, that you would fill it with vision and hope again. God, we know that you have a, a way. We know that you have your own plan. And God, we trust your process. We trust your plan. We may not be what we like. It may not be what we want. But God, we trust. And God... We, even though we prayed for a miracle for these last almost 27 years, God, we thank you for the last 27 years she's been a walking here. So we ask, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. We pray for healing. We pray for hope. We pray for strength, wisdom, discernment to make decisions. We pray for favor and blessing. Holy Spirit, pour your spirit on him. Pour it on Pastor Janet right now in that hospital bed. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to fill them in this moment with what they're doing. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 Can we thank Pastor Denny one more time as he exits the stage? something else I want to do with every eye closed, every head bowed for just a moment.
one of the most important parts of our service today. And that is, if you don't know Jesus, here's your moment. God sent his son. The Bible tells us in John 3, 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if you would believe in him, it says you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. The Bible also says that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.9 tells us that if we will confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead by the power of God, it says you will be saved. And there may be some of you today that maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you knew Jesus at a moment, but life got hard. You built the wrong path, and it's time to get back on the path with Jesus. If that's you today with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to pray for you. I want to pray over you. I want you just on the count of three to lift your hand and say, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. I want him to forgive me of my sins. That's what he came to do was to give us life, to forgive us of our sins. He shed his blood. He died on a cross. He was beaten for our transgressions, the Bible said. He was pierced for them. And so I want to pray over you today that if you want to receive him as Lord and Savior, if that's you, when I say three, just lift your hand. One, two, three, just lift it up today. Say, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. I want to receive him, receive him as Lord and Savior. Or I want to rededicate my life today. Say, that's me. I receive him now. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I want you to put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me live a new life in you. God, I receive your son today as Savior of my life. And today I ask that he would forgive me of all my sin and help me to walk the path with him. I place my faith in him. I put my trust in him. And I receive him now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Church, can we celebrate with every single person? Every single person. God knows right who you are.